Welcome to a parenting space actually designed for you, where you can get answers about navigating a life that includes autism. I'm Dr. Tay, and today I have a mini episode just for you. Hi, y'all. So in today's mini episode, we are going to talk about what happens when things don't go according to plan. So this episode actually was inspired by the 4th of July, which was a little over a week ago when I'm recording this, depending when the episode gets posted. It would have been a little bit ago, but this idea of taking your family to a 4th of July event, maybe there's fireworks and your autistic child is really struggling and maybe you can't stay as long as you wanted to, or you have to pack up and leave, or there's a meltdown and that's really hard to navigate or you're having to tell your non-autistic children, no, all different sorts of scenarios. How do you navigate those situations as a family? And so first off, I want to emphasize that even with the best preparation, things may not go according to plan. And so I want to just give you permission to let go of some of this burden that if things don't go according to plan, that means you did something wrong. I want you to keep in mind, everything is a learning experience and it's going to allow you to fine tune processes for next time. And yes, we know for many autistic children that the idea of preparation can be really helpful. This can look like things like visual schedules, like actually telling them what order things are happening in and going over that over and over again. It could also look like a social story. And this doesn't need to be elaborate. You always can go on the internet. Like 4th of July, for example, would be a common one where I guarantee you can find a social story that's already written or going to the doctor's office. But you also might have more specific things to your family. And it doesn't need to be really elaborate. One way to create a visual schedule or a social story in a really simplified way is that if something is changing in your child's routine, you might just either Google pictures of what is changing, or maybe you drive by something and take a picture, take different screenshots. And then what I want you to do is put them into an album on your phone and you can sit down with your child and be like, okay, so this is what's going to happen. Talk them through it. And so that's the idea of preparation. But the more we can have these visual aids, often autistic children are very strong visual processors, number one. But number two, then they can keep going back through this and have those reminders as well. Or if you're getting ready to leave or transition to something and giving them a timer warning can be super helpful. Like, hey, five minutes and then having a visual with the timer can be awesome. But there's going to be times that it still goes rough. Or you might even think through plans and preparations in terms of thinking about their sensory needs. What fidgets are you packing? Are headphones being packed? Maybe it's like a day at the beach. Do you have an umbrella that they can sit under to cool down in a fan? Thinking through some of these things that are sensitivities for your child and being able to accommodate those. Again, You're going to do that and it's going to fail sometimes. And so that's what I want you first and foremost to hear in this episode is releasing the burden that if it fails, that means you did something wrong. A lot of times parents that I have worked with 
find this intense guilt that they did something wrong, that there was a misstep. And a lot of times we can't predict different things happening. There are things that are absolutely out of control too. If you're going to do an outdoor activity, which I feel like outdoor activities are on my mind because it's summer right now. But if you're going to do an outdoor activity and it rains, that's completely out of your control. And so say a situation happens like that and your child is very distressed that ultimately things didn't go according to plan. So let's actually talk about now, how do you recover from this? But I wanted you to hear, you're not going to get everything perfect first and foremost, and it is a learning experience. You can use that data for future events, but also just realize like there are so many factors and you're not going to be able to control everything. And so what I really want you to focus on is what are those things that you can control? Focus on those and things going not according to plan is not something that you have any control over. And also if something goes out of control, I want you to respond by not going into instant blame mode. That is not going to help this situation. So other ways that you can respond and recover from this first off is validating your autistic child's feelings. There is a way like with this rain example of I I understand. I'm really upset too right now. And then you can propose an alternate activity potentially, or you just might sit with those feelings like, yeah, it's okay to cry. Let's sit here and cry together. That is allowing your child to experience what they're experiencing. You can't fix it. You're not going to stop the rain and all of a sudden have this activity start again. So how can you be present with your autistic child in that moment? And also the more you can model that emotions are normal as part of this, that that is okay. It is okay though, and necessary oftentimes to say it is okay to be upset right now and we can't hit your sister. And then maybe you're giving them an activity to keep their hands busy. Maybe there's something that's really regulating. Hey, you have really big feelings right now. I get really big feelings too. Let's go swing on your sensory swing. So giving that replacement behavior when it's something that's not within your family rules of ways for them to express their emotions, but expressing their emotions is a thousand percent acceptable. And that is exactly it is That is true of your whole family. So with your non-autistic children or maybe even other autistic children or neurodivergent children in the family whose plans are affected by the autistic child, you want to make sure that there's not this blame game coming up. Oh, we got to go home because of Bobby. We got to go home because Sally had a meltdown. We got to go home because Angelica can't handle this. So what that means, the blame game first, making sure you're not modeling that, that it isn't the reason that you have to leave a situation or anything that there isn't this like accusatory aspect on your autistic child. And I know you don't mean that intentionally, but we think about from a modeling standpoint, if your children hear you quote unquote, saying that their autistic sibling is the reason that you need to leave, they're going to model that behavior. And so instead you can say something like, George is really overstimulated right now. And when any of us get overstimulated, we come together as a family. And that means sometimes we have to do things that make us sad or upset. Do you see that there's a nuance there? You can explain the situation, but we don't want to link the reason of having to leave 
be related to your autistic child. I actually had a very real life example come up with this and it wasn't necessarily about leaving, but I have an autistic toddler that I see in their classroom and the teachers were finding that this child was overstimulated by the loud noise. And I loved the receptivity to that. But what was happening is they were saying, I'm going to make up a fake name for this child. So we'll call this child Charlie. And they were saying, everyone, you need to quiet down because it's too loud for Charlie. And so it was interesting. I was in the classroom. I went and had a conversation with the mom about it. Very open dialogue of here's what's happening. How do you feel about that? And the mom made some amazing points. She was like, I don't want my child to be the reason that they have to quiet down. They need to learn how to quiet down themselves. And it was like, yeah, they got to learn for many different reasons that that's part of classroom rules. And so while I really appreciated the teacher's awareness to support this child, ultimately there was this blame game. We have to be quiet because of Charlie. And that isn't fair to Charlie. Instead, it's, hey, it's too loud in the classroom. Let's quiet down. That's all that it ultimately takes. So overall, being careful of how you explain the reason. Can we simplify it? Can we remove that the reason this this quote unquote bad thing happened is because of your autistic child? And also then validating your other children's emotions. I know you were really sad to leave. I I understand. And you can even say things if they're reasonable and age appropriate and true things like, yeah, I was sad to leave too. In my opinion, it's okay to say things like sometimes for, for your sister, she gets overwhelmed and we want to make sure that everyone is happy in that situation. That again, has a very different perspective than we had to leave because of your sister. And you might even help build some of your other children's awareness of like, Yeah, when you're uncomfortable, we would leave for you too. And sometimes for your sister, we do have to leave more often. And as a parent, I'm trying to figure out ways to really support your sister through all of this. Do you have any ideas? Which also invites them into the conversation and that collaboration. And the other thing that I want to keep in mind is you are going to have emotions in all of this too. Like I said, at the start of the episode is releasing some of the blame and guilt that you're going to naturally put on yourself, but also being mindful of you're going to feel really split. You're going to feel like it was the right thing to do because you needed to support your autistic child in that moment. You also might be really embarrassed, for example, if your child has a tantrum or a meltdown in public. And that's normal. That would be to be expected. Again, I said this so many times on the podcast, but you are human and humans have emotions. And so shaming ourselves for the emotions isn't going to make them go away and isn't going to make you feel better. It is ultimately realizing that you can practice acceptance of your emotions and still love your autistic child unconditionally. So be aware of your own emotions in this. So this split of you feel like you supported your autistic child, but maybe you disappointed your your non-autistic children or the autistic child's siblings, 
It's okay to feel both. It's the power of and both of those things can co-occur. And also we don't have to react to disappointment by trying to fix the situation. Sometimes what kids need the most is a space to feel their feelings. And what we actually find is kids are really, really resilient. Often, if you can validate their emotions, they're pretty quickly on to the next thing. But they know that their emotions are allowed in, in your home, in your space, and that feels good for them. And lastly, I want you to keep in mind, though, that these emotions might not be outward. Just like you have learned to suppress your emotions, your other children may have learned to suppress their emotions too. And this is all your children. In one way, this might not be outward for your autistic child is they might not show emotions in these neurotypical ways with facial expressions, with expressing it. That's important to keep in mind. But also sometimes, and I experienced this as a kid, no one told me I needed to do this, but I knew my brother needed help. And I felt like he needed more help than I did. And so I learned to push down my disappointment. I don't remember if we talked about this on the episode with my mom, but here's the thing. I don't remember this. My mom was actually telling me a story she remembered of, I was on the rowing team in high school and college, and I had this big race and my mom wasn't able to come to this race. And she had called me and shared she wasn't able to. And apparently I told her, oh, it's totally fine. It's not a big deal. But then another parent saw me crying next to a car because it was a big deal in my world. And listen, I understood that my brother needed her more in that moment, but that doesn't also mean that I didn't have feelings in this. So keep that in mind for the siblings of your autistic child is that they might not tell you they need the space to process their feelings, but provide that for them, invite them to to be able to share that. And sometimes they might be like, no, I'm fine. Okay. Just know that if you start to feel any emotions, we can talk about those. And that feels supportive in and of itself. All right, y'all, that is a wrap for today's episode. And I hope you got value out of this. I think the biggest piece is knowing that plans aren't gonna always go according to plan, no matter how much you prep and plan for it, that things are going to happen. They can be learning experiences, but making sure that you are not blaming yourself when things don't go according to plan. And then the biggest piece is allowing everyone to experience their emotions in reaction to this. All right, I'll be back for another episode soon. Bye, y'all. This episode was meant to be short and sweet. Full-length episodes air every Wednesday with many episodes like this sprinkled in between. So subscribe now so you don't miss the next one. And if you want to inspire a future episode, because that's how we roll over here, ask me a question on any of my social media pages for a chance to have your question featured. Bye, y'all, and I'll see you soon.